When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Talking City podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Fay, and I'm delighted to be joined on this chilly Monday morning by the very warm and welcoming Simon Bykoski. Hello. And the even warmer and cuddlier Stuart Brennan. Hello. How are you both doing today? I'm feeling particularly warm and cuddly, actually, after that introduction. That's good. It's been quite a nice jolly start, hasn't it? So how are you? Yeah, I feel cheerier. Cheery, I feel like that intro was a bit downbeat and then it, it was more sort of satisfying, like a fireside welcome. I yeah, you were lacking in energy, but then it was just nice and warm. Yeah, well, that's sometimes what you've got to do, isn't it? It's like City, it's a game of two halves. Start badly and then impress them in the second. And uh, that takes us nicely to the Etihad at the weekend. Stu, you had the pleasure of watching at least the second 45 minutes anyway. City did beat Aston Villa. I guess in hindsight, it was quite a comfortable win, but... Uh, particularly the first half. Pep said if City play that badly, they could get relegated for those performances. Maybe a bit uh, overdramatic, but what did you make of the overall performance, but maybe, maybe start with that first half one? Yeah, I mean, they, they, weren't, they weren't great in the first half. They, they weren't creating chances, which is not like City. Um, you know, we've seen it before where they've not scored in the first half, but they've usually created a ton of chances and missed them. Having said that, David Silva should have scored. Gabriel Jesus should have scored. Um, so, you know, it wasn't exactly as if it wasn't happening at all. Um, but they, they weren't creating chances with the regularity that, that they normally do. It's just a little bit slower. But there's this, this narrative creeping in. I was reading reports written by other people at the weekend, and it's sort of suggesting that Liverpool City aren't quite the force that they were because the last two years they've swept teams aside, you know, they've, they've hammered teams, they've, they've just rolled, steamrolled them. But that isn't true, you know. Games like that have been the norm for the last two years. You know, there's been the occasional one where they've, they've absolutely wiped the floor with teams in both halves. But I think it's been there's been a lot of games where they've not quite managed to break through in the first half, and then gone on in the second half and, and won the game or won the game late. I mean, that first the first title season under Pep, you know, the number of games that they won in the last minute was was incredible. But People tend to get it in their heads because because he clocked up a hundred points. People get it in their heads that they were absolutely walloping everybody, and they just weren't. You know, it's just not the case. So um, that was that was standard for, fair. You know, they, they came out in the second half, got the goal, and then it, it never felt in any kind of doubt. So, did you ever maybe you know when it's nil nil at half time? Did you have any maybe? Was there any thoughts in your head that City might not win that game? Or like Stu said, because first of all, there weren't chances at sort of frustrated efforts from distance and it didn't look like the City we've come accustomed to. But uh... I think as Stu says, they've done they've done it so often in for the last two years that there is rarely a game that you think they won't win. You know, it, when they're like 3-1 down to Norwich with five minutes to go, you're still thinking, yeah, this could be a draw. Um, and it's only sort of very very late on when they're losing that you think they might actually lose because 
they almost always score. They almost always find something to to pull it out of the bag. You think back to like the Leicester game, penultimate game of last season when you were starting to think maybe not and then company comes out with that. So when they're capable of of such moments and, and again, Aston Villa only needed sort of Edison doing what nobody else can do and one slip and it's a goal. So no, Villa did well to hold out for 45 minutes um, but I don't think the result was, was ever really in doubt. Yes, Stu, uh, when we were on Edison there, he made many people's sort of team of the weekend. Uh, what did you make of his performance again? I mean, I guess when City do play badly, the or maybe less good, shall we say, uh, the positive is it means Edison gets more of a chance to actually showcase that he can be a goalkeeper as well. But uh, what have you made of him in the recent weeks? Because he seems to have really sort of proven to many doubters that he is a top, top class goalkeeper yeah, he's you know the last couple of seasons, he's, he's been more about his, his work with his feet. You know, we talked about him assisting goals and stuff, but this season uh, he was top class at Everton. Pulled off about three good top top quality saves. Um, he, he pulled off a couple again against Villa at the weekend, uh, and he's, he's been called upon. He's been called upon to. Uh, to make saves as well as to play with his feet. And he showed that he is, he is an all-rounder. Um, I mean, I asked Fernandinho about him after the after the Palace game when, again, he was uh, he was quality. Uh, and Fernandinho called him the complete goalkeeper, which is about as high a compliment as you, as you can get. There, there has been this idea that he is just a, an 11th outfielder, you know, that he's not a goalkeeper, he's an 11th outfielder who occasionally uses his hands but I think he's proved that not to be the case I think he's shown that he's an excellent shot stopper as well uh, there's been times in the last two years when you've wondered about that um, you know the the Spurs Champions League quarter final I know that the, the the initial error was Emmerich Laporte but one of those goals you kind of thought he should have kept it out uh, so there's been little doubts growing up um, but he's, a, he's somebody who just works at his game all the time so He's improving in both aspects of it. I think he's, he's certainly improving his, his goalkeeping. Um, he's, he's more traditional goalkeeping, and he's uh, he's continued to thrive and, and flourish as a as, as a foot, pure footballer, as, as a, an outfield player, if you like. Yeah, like we say that maybe some teams don't appreciate him, but for City, he's the complete goalkeeper for them and the style that they play. So it wouldn't be a City podcast without ticking off the VAR controversy <laughs> bingo on our Must we? Card. Must we? Uh, I guess too half towards the VAR though, because Villa, there were quite a few appeals maybe in the first half of penalties. They, they had, there was the handball and John Stones that they wanted. They, it never was really, but um, the second goal, uh, the cross from De Bruyne, which... They eventually did decide, did take a deflection on the way and shouldn't have been allowed. What, what did you make of it all? Uh, I mean, I guess it's a decision that Beale and or City didn't need to it, win the game. But It just shows the full farce of it all. I mean, it is there's no connection. It's not connected at all. So for the Premier League to come out and say, yeah, it's David Silva's goal, even though that means that it shouldn't have been allowed, just absolutely baffling because understandable maybe VAR couldn't see an angle where Silver's touched it and yes Silver's run off claiming it but that's what footballers do and footballers run off you know footballers claim penalties and doesn't mean they're a penalty and 
everything like that. But for the Premier League to then come out afterwards and say, no, it's David Silva's goal, just undermines VAR. And that's where we're at. We don't trust VAR. We don't think there's any... We're not confident that the right decisions are being made. And that, again, was an example of nobody knows if it's the right decision was being made. Tom Heaton said he thought it came off Sterling shorts on the way in. Like, again, that's... We don't quite know that, but the it was meant to bring clarity and it hasn't. And that will remain an issue for until the end of time, I think. That's or until it's binned off. Yeah, that seems so, like the Hopefully at the end of this season. I've I'd, I'd done a complete 180 on VAR. I'd, I wanted it. I thought it was a good idea. I thought it would add to the drama of games as it, as it does in rugby <laughs> and as it does in cricket. I, I, I really like it in, in those sports. Um, but I think it's just been a complete disaster in football. And I, from, from really wanting it and looking forward to seeing how it works and how it would affect our view of the game, I've done a complete 180 and I just want, want it ended soon as possible. I mean, at the end of the season, it's probably the quickest we can hope for, but it needs to get... Is, is there anybody who likes it? I, I can't think of anybody who's who's still banging the drum for it and saying this, you know, so many people have changed their minds on it. Um, the idea was it would it would sort of rule out all the controversies, rule out all the all the pub discussions about was it was it a penalty, was it offside, was it a handball? And it hasn't, it's just made them worse. And it, and it's interrupting the game, it's stopping the game from flowing, uh, it's stopping fans from celebrating goals. Um, it's sort of it's it's just making a mess of the game as we love it, and I can't see a way out of it. I can't. People talk about the VAR needing to be better, which it does because they're making some farcical decisions. Uh, they've got a little more time than the referee to do it, but they're still making really bad decisions. Uh, I, I thought like the Michael Keane one for Everton was was incredible. How on earth they can give that as a penalty is beyond me. Um, so for me, just just bin it, just bin it, and as soon as possible. Uh, and that's from somebody who was a staunch supporter of it six months ago. I thought it was absolutely brilliant yesterday during the United Norwich game. The uh, Daniel James penalty. Both of the commentators for MUTV, so the club's in-house channel, are saying, "Well, there's no way you can give that as a penalty. No, no, James has gone into him. Yeah, there's no way you can give that." And as soon as they said that, I thought well, it, it's going to give a penalty because by the, it goes against the logic of even the most kind of... Biased. Yeah, yeah. Like it, Just anything you think it will do, it does the opposite for no conventional reason. So if it's, you know, if it's surprising MUTV, then... You know, it's, of, yeah. you know it's extreme. Stu, I guess finally on VR again... What was it actually like for for you in the stadium when that happened? Then did you, did you think it taking deflection on the way through when the, the check happened? What what was your well? It's it's like I mean we're in the press box and it's an initial confusion. You're, you're trying to figure out what the problem was. I mean the, our first issue is who scored the goal, you know, because you, you're tweeting it out, you, you're going on social media, you're in the middle of writing your match report, so you want to know who scored the goal, uh, and it wasn't obvious. You know, it was not obvious, and that—that's why the goal stood because the, the VAR. I think I think they got the decision right. Don't get me wrong. I think that all the replays we looked at, you could not tell whether Silver had touched it or not. Uh, I, I then subsequently uh, saw a slowed down 
replay of it from behind the goal where you can actually see the rotation and the ball change when it gets near Silva's foot. And that is the only indication that he actually did get a nick on it. Um, so I think they got the decision right. But we're like everybody else, you know, everyone else in the in the ground it comes to a stop. And part of the joy of football is, is, is gooning after a goal, isn't it? You know, fans leaping about. And you can't really do that anymore because you, you're looking at the screen, you're looking to see how the ref reacts, you're looking at the players to see what if they're all appealing for, for something. And it just takes that spontaneous joy out of the goal-scoring moment. And I think it's got to go. I mean, we'll, we'll go back to... Errors. We'll go back to big errors, you know, where goals that subsequently we can see shouldn't have stood, will have stood. But we've lived with that for 150 years, haven't we? So why can't we we carry on with it? Um, it's 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 a part of the game, and we're just replacing one kind of controversy with another kind of controversy, but a controversy that's making a mess of some of the things that we we hold dear in the game. Do you think that that one in Germany, by the way, this weekend was? Uh, Absolutely Bol- mad. Bochum, yeah. Bochum. The where um, the strikers had a shot and it's gone wide. It's gone out. Of- and there's three substitutes behind the goal, sort of ten meters to the right, and one of them's just tapped it back to the keeper when it's gone wide. And uh, and then VAR has ruled that it hadn't quite crossed the line when the strikers hit it wide before the subs knocked it back to his keeper. Right. So he gives them a penalty. And then score the penalty. He got booked as well, I think, the... uh, the Yeah, the substitute got booked. And gave away a penalty. Because the ball, maybe (laughs) 95% of the ball had crossed the line, but not all of it had. And he passed it back to his keeper. Is that a penalty offence? Apparently so. So So because he's interfered with the ball in the penalty box. Right. um, It's then... So this striker who's sort of absolutely shanked one, then gets, here you go, 18 yards out, have another go, scores it. (laughs) The beautiful game. Madness. Absolute madness. Do they take the penalties from 18 yards in Germany then? Oh, shut (laughs) up. (laughs) Finally on on VAR, do you think Pep has got to change his mind? He he was such an advocate for VAR and he really did want it to be brought in. Even when decisions were going to get City, he was saying it's for for the better of the game, really, that it's brought in, but... It's... I was going to write a piece about that and I might still do uh, because up until recently when you ask him about VAI he's, he's carried on advocating it saying yes we've still got to do it he gets things right we've just got to accept it we've got to accept the decision he was asked about it yesterday now it might just be Pep being Pep and he's just sick and tired of being asked the same questions uh, but his response was more along the lines of, well, why are you asking us? Go and ask the referees. Go and hold a press conference in London at the at the VAR headquarters, you know, uh, which wasn't exactly a, him, him sort of standing by VAR and saying that he, you know, we've got to live with it. I've been calling for it. I, I wonder whether he's he's having his doubts as, as, as I have and a lot of other people have about the, about how, how it's panning out. Um, because it's, I mean, it's a killer for a manager. We saw him in the Champions League last season, you know, leaping around when he thought Raheem Sterling had scored late on and then it getting ruled out. Um, so managers are suffering in the same way that fans are. But, but you can live with that because he knows that it's the right decision, ultimately. Yes. But yeah. the minute, none of us know whether VAR is making the right decisions and that's, that's the killer. Yeah. Because Guardiola's wanted this system to improve the game and it doesn't. 
yeah, that's that's exactly it. I, I think he's realised, as we all have, that having another pair of eyes in a bunker with, with various replay angles doesn't mean the decision is going to be right. It's just it's just a different form of wrong. Yeah. And I think he said recently about sort of the Premier League or UEFA, you know, they're basically all show and they don't actually do anything. They're not interested in helping you out. They just want, to be want you to have a coffee and pose for a photo. That's a good so life, isn't it? There's no confidence that these organisations will will sort it out. Yeah, well, the verdict's still very much out on VAR. I know what your feelings are, but that gives us the perfect time for a half-time teaser. We know how much you love these uh, convoluted ones. Uh, Fernandinho, it was a mixed afternoon for him. He looked quite good, then he got his... Uh, <laughs> His marching orders became the third player, the third Man City player to have been sent off at the Etihad Stadium in the Premier League, which is a record. Ooh, right. But that's not anything to do with the question, don't worry. That's just one I remembered. But oh. uh, in the game... Who are the other players to have been sent off? At the Etihad? Yeah. Since I think 2003, it Aguero. Was. Didn't two get sent Ka- off at Kyle Walker. Chelsea? Kyle Walker Kyle Walker against Everton. Yes. And was it Aguero and Fernandinho Aguero. against Chelsea? Yes, yes it was. Listen, another teaser question, isn't it? Smashed it. I think we'll have that as a half-time teaser. We've not had it yet. This one's... The thing I feel bad about this teaser is it's not really about Man City. It's more broad Premier League. So uh, sorry if you're listening and you you couldn't care any less, but uh, (laughs) it's the one we've got for today. Uh, During the game at the weekend, Fernandinho became the third highest Brazilian appearance maker in the Premier League. 200th appearance. Who are the only two players ahead of him? We'll be back after this short break. The only two Brazilians. Right. Back after this short break. Hello and welcome back to the Talking City podcast for the Manchester Evening News. Just before the break, I left Science Stew with the uh, convoluted teaser of Fernandinho became made. <laughs> God, here we go again. Fernandinho became the third highest Bra- Brazilian appearance maker in the Premier League at the weekend. It was his 200th appearance. There's only two Brazilian players who have appeared in the Premier League more than him. Who are they? During the break, Sai said, I got it. So we'll go to him <laughs> He's last. just piling the pressure on me. That's because like, he knows yeah. that my memory is appalling. So um, I haven't brought my phone, so I couldn't Google it. Um, I think I've got one. Yeah, that's, that's oh, one each. Is yeah, fair, one each it? I think is fair. David Luiz, I'm going for. Fernandinho's made 200. David Luiz has not reached that landmark yet. Give over. He's not he done it. He must have done. He is not. I'm going to check your... I, I think you... No. Sai, <laughs> was David Luiz either of your choices? He may well have been one of my choices, yeah. <laughs> um, I'll go for Willian. Yeah. Willian, yeah, he's six ahead of Fernandinho. He's on 206. So expect Fernandinho to match him for that, uh, the way they both play this season. But there's one other player who leads the way, 247 appearances. For who? How long has Firmino been in? No. no not long no, enough. Not long enough. But um, you're along the right lines, shall we say. Oh. Um, Brazilians. Hmm. He still plays now in Europe, but um, he's not playing the Premier League, I don't think, for about four or five years. It's really riveting, isn't it? Producer Ash, you already know the answer. I showed it you before. Put your give, us, hand... give us a club. Liverpool. I should have guessed that when you took Firmino. Um, oh, what's he called? Yeah, that little thingy. 
Ends in an O. <laughs> Probably. I can picture him. Yeah, what's he look like then? He's got the, like, blonde hair. Yeah. Sort of shoulder-length fish, yeah. almost. Yeah. I want to say silver, but it's not. No, but... It's... Uh, it does end VA. VA. Absolutely blank. Yeah, who cares? Lucas Laver. Lucas Laver. Really? Of course. 247, which I thought was staggering because... No, he was... Played a lot during the... He was part of that mediocre midfield for a while, wasn't he? What's, He's mm. played more games than David Luiz in the Premier League. 247. I'm not. Well, Luiz went to... Luiz left, didn't he? Luiz has been along, around for a while, but he has left for like a season at Yeah. Time. Yeah. I'm not having it. Carry on. Plus, games for Arsenal don't count because they're not deemed competitive. <laughs> <laughs> Meow. <laughs> oh, well. Um, yeah, second half of the podcast. Two games against Southampton this week. That's a real treat. Can you name the three City players that have been sent off at the Etihad? Since 2003? Yeah. Well, Fernandes has been sent off three times, so... We've just named them, haven't we? Walker, Aguero and... Yes, good. good. No one else? I don't know, you're, you're in charge of the stats. Not between that 2003 and 10, you're telling me no City player got sent off. I'm not, you, you've told no, us. Or Vincent, Vincent Company was in the cup. You've told us that only three City players have been sent off in the league. No. No. No, that wasn't, the, no, God. The staff were the sending <laughs> offs. was that, um, he's been sent off three times, which is a high, record high. You said he'd been the third player to be sent off. No, I've, I've, I meant, I meant the most. Right. We'll edit that bit out. Okay. We won't. We've not got the editor. We haven't right, got a producer well, who's capable. We haven't got any listeners now either. No. Oh, well. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Southampton in the Carabao Cup. Uh, after what happened to them on Friday night, I think when the Premier League record went, the only surprise was that it wasn't Man City that uh, netted nine goals in a game. But uh, Southampton in the Carabao Cup and then the Premier League makes it maybe a bit, bit more interesting of the two fixtures. More changes you'd expect on Tuesday night. But... Uh, City going to the game, firm favourites. So what type of team do you think City will play in the uh, Carabao Cup? It made me giggle because not, not long after that result came through, the 9-0, um, there's a, it's quite a, a well-known City fan who tweeted, um, Man, City, <laughs> Man City nil, Southampton won, brackets Ings 89. And <laughs> that summed it up probably, you know. That, that, I, I think 90% of City fans, certainly ones my age and older, thinking oh that's done it now we're bound to lose to these probably lose to them twice in, in Cup and League <laughs> um, but yeah I mean it, it's I, I don't think it'll change anything in terms of team selection or anything like that you know the, the Pep, Pep will try and change all 11 if he can we were, I was talking about this beside this morning about what, what changes he will make um, he's got some leeway because there's a lot of players who need games Um I, I think he will he'll play Garcia and Otamendi as the centre backs. Um, I know there's a a lot of people would love to see young Taylor Harwood Bellis play with Garcia again after they played together at Preston, kept a clean sheet. But I think Pep's got to look at the long the long like the full picture, um, and Otamendi needs to play. And if you don't pick him in this game, you might as well forget about him completely. And I don't think they can afford to do that. They've not got enough centre-backs. He needs to play Otamendi. Uh, he possibly needs to play him in both games, for my for my reckoning. He, he's got to get his confidence back. He's got to get back in the groove. 
Um, and you can't just bin somebody off because they've had a couple of bad games this season. Well, he's, he's had more than two bad games, but he's had two games. He's cost City in the two two league defeats that they've had. Uh, uh, he needs to get back in. He needs to get get his head right again. And the only way you're going to do that is by playing. So for me, it's Garcia and Otamendi at centre-back. And then I think we'll, obviously Bravo will come in. I suspect Angelino will come in. Kyle Walker should come back in. Um, and then you've got Mares. Um, both myself and Sai think that Jesus will will start again, uh, give him another game, two games on the trot. Um, but there's just positions that are open. Phil Foden, of course, is the other one. But there are, they haven't quite got enough players. So you just wonder then, will he bring somebody else in, maybe Bernabe to... To start up front, give Raheem Sterling a, a rest. Um, so I, th- I think it'll be a good mix. I think it'll be it'll be a lot of first team players in there, but opportunities for one or two of the younger lads to come in and uh, and, and impress. Yes, as you said that you've already spoken to him about the team selection. You go along those lines that it will be that sort of lineup. Maybe I mean it's difficult because in the Carabao Cup, there's been some games. You think of that. Leicester away two years ago it was a very changed side and there's lots of youngsters involved and I guess we're still at the stage where Pep might think that just play youngsters if you win it's a bonus if you don't it's not the end of the world but yeah I think I think he will have been planning to play to make a lot of changes and to give plenty of youngsters an opportunity as he has done in previous years you just wonder whether Southampton getting humiliated in such a fashion might make him think about having a few more experienced heads just to make sure that everyone's focus is is completely on it because you do not want to play a team after they've lost 9-0 or any kind of score like that because the one thing that they will do is, or they should do, is battle and scrap for every last thing. You know, they've had to give the, give the wages to, to a charity after Friday night or they've, they've chosen to, but... For the Southampton fans who are travelling up on Tuesday night, they can't afford to not turn up again in such a fashion because, you know, these fans are travelling a long way and paying a lot of money to to see them wear the shirt with, with pride. Um, so you will expect a big reaction from Southampton and City will need to be careful of that. It sounds like neither of you may be expecting a, a high-scoring game then. Do you think it will be a, t- a tighter affair? Um, obviously, it's not going to be 9-0 again. I mean... Can clip like that happens, and I don't really care. But City favourites, but you think it'll be? Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think that. Uh, yeah, I mean, City, obviously, City are capable of running away with games. You know, if they get one or two ahead, you can always see them scoring three, four, and five, um, even with changes to the team. Um, but I, I, I think there will be. I think Southampton will come and make it tough. Um, you know, there's no professional footballer who's going to suffer a defeat like that and then not go out in the next game and, and give absolutely everything to, to try and put it right for themselves as much as for the fans and, and everybody else. Um, and I, I think we will see a reaction. Um, how many times have we seen it down the years that a team comes back off a defeat like that and uh, and pulls off a result? Um, you would still expect City to have too much quality for them. Um, and also the fact that City are going to be freshening up um, I mean, the worst case scenario for Southampton is that City play a half and half team, as I described it, um, and, and win the game, and then they go into the league game on Saturday and get hit with the full the full Monty. You know, they get hit with the De Bruyne's and the Guerrero and everybody else. I mean, you really 
you really wouldn't fancy Southampton in that circumstance. Um, but it, it, you know, they will they will come out. It'd be interesting to see what kind of team Southampton pick. Yeah, you know, if I'm if I'm Hassan, who, 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 you, is that, is that, did I get that right? Then? <laughs> if I, you I, are, who I, you I say call it rabbit hutch because I'm not because that's, that's how it translates apparently. But um, Ralph. Ralph, yeah. Uh, if I'm Ralph, wreck it, Ralph. That's what <laughs> he certainly did. Yeah. Um, I should be a sub, shouldn't I? I should be writing back pages four no. days after something's happened. No, I think of one. <laughs> um, yeah, if if, if I, I'd be thinking, go as strong as I can on Tuesday night, just to try and get us back on an even keel. You know, get a win on a win, or get a good result, or at least a good performance under our belt, restore a little bit of pride. Um, and because in some ways that game is more important to him than the league game on Saturday I know they're battling for points but he's got to try and get his team's heads screwed back on again if they can do it on Tuesday they then go in uh, Saturday with, with something they're not expecting to win anything to, to get anything on Saturday anyway but if they can get a, a result or a good performance on Tuesday then they've got a chance for the rest of the season maybe if, if, they, if, if he picks a, a weakened team on Tuesday and they get battered, uh, the likelihood is they'll get battered with a strongest team on Saturday, and then he's gained nothing. So it'd be interesting to see how he approaches it. Yeah, of course, it's uh, straight to penalties in the Carabao Cup as well, isn't it? So if they did defend well, they're frustrated City, and you never know, there might be a yeah. chance for, for an upset, and that could build their confidence, or at least try to restore it a bit. Um, when we're on to the topic of the Carabao Cup, so how seriously do you think Pep is taking the uh, competition this, this season? <laughs> Uh, more seriously than most managers do. Um, City have got a bit of stick for winning the last two cups, saying, oh, you know, you've had easy runs throughout. Well, he's had easy runs because other big teams haven't taken it as seriously and have gone out. I remember being uh, at Oxford last season um, where Guardiola's post-match press conference, because he was delayed because he was watching Derby knock United out on penalties and it's like well if if big teams aren't going to take it seriously then City will and City will reap the rewards I think it it's slightly more complicated this season because of the injury situation both because they didn't sign a centre-back in summer but also because they have just so many injuries um, with Zinchenko being the latest, Ozinchenko and Rodri from from last week. So that may take um, a bit of focus off the cup, but City is still going to be there to win it. And if they beat Southampton at home, which they should, then they're in the quarterfinal and the draw sees Arsenal play Liverpool and Chelsea play United. So there's potentially one or two teams left in the competition for the next round that City wouldn't want to face. Yeah, fair enough. Just like that, yeah. Uh, Stu, for yourself as well, uh, your opinion on the Carabao Cup, do you think, I mean, I know we defended the last couple of seasons, but particularly this one, given the injury crisis, do you think it is still in their best interests to, to try and win it and to play a stronger side? Or do you think it is just put out a, a mixed side? If they win, it's a bonus. If not, then just carry on and pretend it didn't happen. Well, the number of times in the last couple of years, or three years, that we've we turned up at League Cup games expecting to see a really weakened team and you picked up the team sheet and it's had De Bruyne on there, Sterling, uh, the full-back four, you know. So Pep, Pep clearly views it differently to to other managers and to us, to be honest. 
So you wouldn't be at all surprised if you turn up on Tuesday night and he hasn't made a lot of the changes we talked about. And if Kevin De Bruyne does play and Raheem Sterling does play, Sterling played at Preston, of course, in the, in the last round. Um, so he sees it differently. Now, whether that's just because... He, I think it's simply that he does want to win every single game. He wants to win every single trophy. I don't think he thinks about it. Well, you know, if we have a run in the League Cup, it might take away from our Champions League, blah, blah, blah. I think it's just a case of we go as far as we can um, and, and use our squad. Uh, but there's also an element of the fact that it was the first trophy he won um, in, in this country. So I think there's, there's always a little bit of a, a sentimental thing going on as well. You know, he... They've, they've won it the last couple of seasons. Um, I think Liverpool were the last team to win it three on the bounce. They did it four on the bounce in in the eighties, I think. So you know, and Pep just goes into every game wanting to win every single game. There's not, you know, it's not a question of. I don't think he thinks the way we do that. You know, if if he gets a run in the League Cup, it'll affect other things. I think he just just thinks right next game, let's go and win it. Simple as that. Yeah. No bad trophy to win, really, is there? He loves Carabao as well. Yeah, he's drinking it all the time, <laughs> isn't he? That's why he's so erratic. He's just always like, have, have you ever drank Carabao? At, no. at, the, at the last cup final, yeah. Did, oh, yeah, did they you? had cans of it in the fridge. Just the yeah. one flavour? No, a few different flavours, yeah. I cannot remember what the precise flavours were, but I know there was a bright orange coloured can and a green coloured can. Maybe a blue as well. Is that why you were bouncing around the train on the way home? No, no, that was just sheer euphoria. All oh, right, I'm, yeah. uh, I, I'm getting to journey home with me. Oh, no, no, I did it taste nice though? Um, I've never been a fan of energy. It, drink, it tasted so. like an energy drink. Yeah, I, they've got them at Chelsea as well. Um, they've got the sponsor, haven't they? The yeah, training gear sponsored by Carabao. Yeah, so you can get them at, uh, or you could get them in the the Stamford Bridge press room as well. So. And of course, Morrison's I think is the exclusive Carabao uh, provider. Is it? Why is it? Oh yeah, there, were, there was those brilliant Which pictures, one? weren't there? Was it John Barnes who had like crates of well, Carabao last, in his was it, trolley? Was it the first? I can't first remember. round draw was in Morrison's. Was in Morrison's. Yeah, there. brilliant. It's on third. Uh, presuming City you get through you'll be interested but it's Thursday morning 8.45am the Carabao Cup quarterfinal draw on the Zoe Ball show on Radio 2 all the radio shows are available but none will contain the Carabao Cup draw no which is probably a bonus most of them probably a selling point Um, yeah we will be back I think on Friday to reflect on all things Carabao related and we will look ahead towards the Premier League fixture against Southampton as well this weekend uh, thank you Sai thank you Stu for joining us today on the Talking City podcast we will be back again please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already and we'll see you again next time <laughs>